just being a little uh, 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 idiot or whatever. Drax being the, James Gunn is like, let me remind everybody that these are badass aliens with superpowers. Yep, and they don't call them Guardians of the Galaxy for nothing. Exactly, and then even the um, even the I wasn't even mad at the Warlock situation. And I was like, oh, this could have been a really throwaway thing, <laughs> and he actually made it, so it actually made it fun. It was a minor quibble for me, but it worked. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. I was like, I would have wish it had been bigger, but he didn't have the time, so he's like, you know what? Let me figure yeah. out a way to get him in without, but they give him a little bit of shine, but then also do some stuff. So yeah, but make it clear that this is it. Mm-hmm. I I didn't see the the end credit scenes uh, in theaters because I I left I I then I and I yeah, said yeah, I'm, yeah I've given up that a long time ago but um I, I would love to see the new Guardians team yeah with, with um you know Philo uh, and like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it, like you said they wrapped it up really really well to a point where if they need if they wanted to do a Guardians they have all the all the rope to do it and it makes sense it fit you know. People can make give cameos if they wanted to, and like no, but yeah. everyone has a everyone has a satisfied ending of where they're going off to next. Yeah, I so agree. That's, what, that's what it was good. So it's like if they wanted, if any of these actors wanted to do these again, they could totally do it. And if they didn't, we already we already know where their story is going, so we're, we're we're already satisfied. And once again, high evolutionary man, that dude great, was great villain, mm-hmm. great, villain. Great, great, great villain, great villain. But again, he did. And when you look back and you look at his villain selection. In comparison to other Marvel villains, now in retrospect, was Ronan really that bad of a villain? No, and, exactly. no, no. In that's terms pretty good. Of what he was doing and what yeah. he was trying to do, yep, and what that's he ultimately good. did, like I would say, three strong villains. Ego was like I've always said, probably was already up there with the best Marvel villains. Because yeah, just the fact but again, that- all three of those villains are irredeemable. Yep. I mean, they don't have exactly. they don't have. A, a thing that makes them, you know, like sympathetic or like, you know, they're bad, but you know, they they're they're being bad because like the Thanos thing, like you know, I tried to save my people and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Nobody can nah. No, no, I am evil for evil's sake. I'm trying to snap. I'm trying to snuff out half of half of all living things everywhere in every universe, every time, ever for all time because. I am in love with Lady Death. Yep. I simply worship death. That would have been That's cool. If you would have done that, that would have been cool. I think James Gunn was was hinting at that Thanos in the first Guardians because that Thanos, like I was saying, like he, this dude told Ronan he bathed the starways in his blood. If, and that's how they should have used Kane yes. in Ant-Man 3. He shouldn't have, it should have been, okay, if you got Modoc answering to him, it's like Modoc is on the clock. Either he's getting that, uh, Kang what he wants, or something's gonna give. And that yep. was what it was with Ronan. You you had Ronan who was a scary villain, but then you had the guy above him who was like, "Look, I don't care about what you're saying right now." <laughs> you, I, you, you, did you get the gem? No. You I come think. back here next time <laughs> if you don't have that gem, and I'm a I'm gonna do something bad to you. Yep. So. That's that that those three Ronan Ego, all three irredeemable. Ego kills his mom, kill Quill's mom, and tells him he did it. And they were all three classic Casual. examples <laughs> of the sociopath. Yeah, casually told him he killed his mom. Oh, you know, 
it just didn't work out. You know, I didn't really want to kill her, but you know, I gotta see which of these kids will work. I gotta spread my seed. <laughs> exactly. Like, man, I can't keep coming back here. If I keep coming back here, you know, then I might end up staying. I might get locked down. So now I had to end that. <laughs> <laughs> That's that guy talk. Nah, you know, it was easier to just put a tumor in her head and kill her than it was to just be an omnipotent god and disappear. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> have to man. keep coming back and checking, you know, saying, hey, I just, she was nice. It's extra petty when you think about a human's lifespan in compared to his where it's like, bro, you could have just skipped out on 50 years, came back and she would have been old yeah, for and, real. And, and, and like close to death. Anyway. And then you wouldn't have wanted to. Yep, exactly. <laughs> right. Like that, that's, that's what made it even more callous is like, bro, this man said, I can't even wait five years. I'm just going to give a brain to Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, as you guys already heard, we are Blurred Lines already talking about off-topic stuff, but with you, as, uh, my name is Cam. With me, as always, is Drax the Joshua, <laughs> as well as the Guardian Professor, always <laughs> here to educate you and also turn you off. D'Angelo Warlock. And, yes, uh, exactly. Contrary to popular belief, we we're actually going to talk about Star Trek Strange New World, but we just got an off topic about Guardians 3 because we had re- 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 recently rewatched it. And it hit all the feels. And so we had to we had to really, you know, come back and compare notes. Um, but yeah, we're here. Uh Strange New World season two just wrapped. What finale was last week? Two weeks ago? Last week? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. And um to continue its uh epic journey of being the best Star Trek show on television. <laughs> not not mm-hmm. named, not named Lower Decks. <laughs> not named Lower Decks. Right, 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 right. Um Prodigy or yeah, R- 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 P. Yeah, Prodigy. Oh, that one hurt. That one hurt. <sighs> no, dude, again, so good. I remember Josh, somebody watched Prodigy, and I was like, uh, Nickelodeon Star Trek, and then I watched it, and it's pretty damn good. I was I was pleasantly stunned. I, I didn't realize it was gonna get there. I just watched it for completion sake because when they launched it, they were insisting, like, yo, Prodigy's canon. Everything that happens on Prodigy's canon, I'm like, well, damn it. I've seen everything else. So now you got. Well, I have to watch this, yeah. and caught me complete. I mean, it is very childlike for the first third of the season, I'd say, and then at some point they just start taking taking this this curve towards prop. And and I remember the episode that sold me was their training episode where they decide, all right, fine, we're actually going to be Starfleet officers since we have a since we hijacked the star uh, uh, an actual Federation starship, we can't keep rocking with this ship and not be at minimum cadets. And so hologram Janeway, who is responsible for like, is their interface with the ship uh, sets up a training. And so she utilizes all the different show uh, characters from all the different shows um, to train them. And so their voice samples and uh, images from original series, TNG, deep space nine, Voyager training them. Got a lot of fun. And it's a really good episode and a dope homage to to what came before. And that was the episode that got me. And literally everything else from there sort of dovetails towards like including itself in the larger canon in ways that were familiar to to people who watch Star Trek. 
Yep. And and know that Josh is more than I think, especially more than me. He is the Trekkie of Trekkies. He, yep. he knows the canon and the lore. And oh, so yeah. and so that because this is a guy who's even watched Enterprise with and <laughs> all all the well. to be fair, I have still have not finished. Oh, okay. I thought I you watched it. them all. No, no, no. no. Okay. okay. I did not finish Enterprise. Well, I, I, I stand correct. I watched it because uh my man Scott Bakula, aka Samuel Beckett from uh some quantum leap was on it so i had to watch it uh, i mean that was my motivation as well but i just yeah, that, you know i just couldn't finish it it was it that bad kept, it just kept dovetailing and it's yeah. like yo but when it was, i started and i saw her that pop track as the as the intro <laughs> it, went, it went it was over it was over. Yeah, I, mean, I mean to be fair they, the they wrote one stuff is good. That part stuff is good. Yeah, I mean, they, they, yes, the section 31 episodes are really good, actually. That's what um, I heard. The, the they roller coastered, they roller coastered pretty heavy. Like each time that they realized they were going off the air, they kind of let the, the, the writers off the chain and let them do whatever they wanted. And those episodes are great. It's hmm. this once they realized that they had a new lease on life, like f- fans wrote in. And I have no clue why fans wrote in to keep that show on the air, but yeah, fans I wrote mean, in and well, they had good. They had the characters were cool. I just wish there was the characters were fine. Yeah, it's like, just. I also think the conceit was good, showing the very first time. You know, the when uh, humans first take yeah flight cool. stars and all that stuff. Everything canon and lore wise, I think that show that show has its place because of that. Um, but I think, um, they were trying to do so many things to distance it from Star Trek early on that it turned off, especially turned off me. I remember when they were referring to it in the first two seasons, I think as just enterprise. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, what? Yeah, like what are we doing here? They were trying to reboot this, the the franchise. I mean, and try to do something different. And and they, it would have been, if it would have been like something like a, on the caliber of Strange New Worlds, I think it would have been different. But yeah. I would have, I think people would have embraced it more. But because it was subpar, then it just made it worse. Yeah. I think the thing, the thing with Enterprise was, it was. I think honestly, I think the the people just got tired of the same old formula from TNG and Voyager and DS Nine, and it wasn't a good deployment of that formula. Yeah, that was the sense. thing. So you know, it would just it wasn't. I don't know how you how you, how you can have that era the probably the most untouched era of Star Trek anything and make that boring like that should probably be I mean granted you're you're sort of traveling backwards like you're you're downgrading the technology the ship is smaller the crew size is smaller um they have no clue what the hell they're doing they haven't met anybody yet outside of the Vulcans so you know you could make that interesting I I I I, they just didn't. They just they they just didn't or couldn't. Even and Bacula wasn't into it. When you were like Cam, you've seen the the Captain's uh, movie, the documentary. Yeah. He interviewed you. I didn't like it. I didn't yeah. like it. I didn't like a second of it. Yeah. I, wasn't into I mean, it. you can you can honestly that I was just gonna actually bring that up because that makes a lot of sense. You can honestly look and at his performance and see that he's not into it. Like yeah. he's not into it. Like now. And I would say on the flip side, um, Anson Mount for Captain Pike, he is having the time of his life. 
Like oh, he's he, way into every it. Every scene, he's enjoying it. He has a nod, a, ne- <laughs> a wink and a nod. He like likes the uniform. He like enjoys like all of it. He always has, oh yeah. He he has a good pain on his face when he re- when he has the flashbacks about his knowing his future, which I thought that was a really good thing that they did from Discovery, bringing mm-hmm. it into um, Strange New Worlds, where it's like he knows exactly when he's gonna die and how. So he's like, all right, well, mm-hmm. what what do I do with that knowledge? And that's another. That's also a trope that's that's happened in many of uh, storytelling of like mm-hmm. you want to know how and when you die, or do you never want to know? Which is you know whatever. And how do you would you act differently? Blah 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 blah. Um, and so I think overall, like Strange New Worlds, again, in contrast to our uh, almost dearly departed Discovery, you know the crew. The crew is integral to the whole thing. Like, yeah. you know everyone's name. You know why they're there. You have interpersonal relationships, and you actually care about the stuff that's going on. And I think and that... I, um, I, I'd like to point out the skill and, and, uh, and, and, and acumen of our wonderful host who turned the wheel ever so gently away from what we were talking about with enterprise on over to on over to the actual topic i am a i am a gentleman and a scholar my friend this is clearly pretty good pretty good pretty good good, you 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 were saying you gotta you gotta rate the ship make sure we're on topic no i see hey hey i see you i'm just ignoring the god you know what i mean (laughs) but i would say um and i like that they always keep the future kind of situation in the forefront and so they did a really good job with that with my favorite episode crossover with lower decks that shit was mm-hmm. amazing but there was a really good point where um boyman freaking boiler he uh t- he talks to spock and spock's like smiling and laughing and he's like what the fuck just happened did and, i just break uh, spock <laughs> yeah and I, I like that he was like okay this is not good because spock's supposed to be stoic and his whole thing and blah 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 and then mm-hmm. when he finds out that you know, uh, he's not that. He's like, okay, this must be a phase because <laughs> whatever's happening right now must not stick because we need, we need to make sure that he gets back to his old self. Mm-hmm. And he, he accidentally tells that to Spock's current love interest. And she's like, oh, so I don't make a difference in his life. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Oh, Nurse Chapel. But yeah. you know, they're playing that. Um, and I, ever since I heard Damon Lindenloff used these phrase in terms of canon and, and continuity, Old Testament versus New Testament. Mm. Um, I tend to use it with these bigger extended mythologies like mm. Star Trek. And the original series is undoubtedly Old Testament. But, you know, now with all the new stuff, you could probably group all of the 90s and before series as somewhat Old Testament. But anyway, um, the old, the tr- true Old Testament, as far as Star Trek and especially this, is the original series, right? And yeah. I think what they've done with the those characters, specifically Kirk, Uhura, Spock, and you know, we had even had uh, an appearance by uh, by uh, Mr. Scott, <laughs> oh, and it was, and so every time they've done that, it's never taken away with what's going on right then and there. Mm-hmm. Um, it never feels like this is nostalgia for nostalgia's sake, or this is a nod at this person or that for that sake. It always comes off as natural. Um, the the specific example is when they the uh, the the DP, the director, gets them all, uh, Spock, Kirk, and Uhura all mm-hmm. in the same 
scene and then pulls one character that doesn't belong in that dynamic out and you see the and pull the camera out, you see those three kind of like in their early days of just kind of like hanging around. Of course, Spock is like all, you know, he's got no, no smile or anything, but yet he's engaged with Kirk and Uhura and mm-hmm. anybody that knows Star Trek knows exactly what that scene is meant, who is meant for and what is meant to say. Yep, exactly. And I think that's where, it, and again, you know, it would be awesome if they, you know, Discovery tried to do this of like, kind of going on their own path and like, you know, being outside of the TNG, TS9, Enterprise, you know, all that, the original stuff, but didn't successfully do well. And so mm. I think Strange New World does a great job of A, giving, having a whole new, have new stories and all that stuff within the universe, mm. but then also just getting a little tads in, just a little, little nods. Like, oh, oh yeah. there's, a, there's Kirk's pops. Oh, here's a Montgomery Scott. Oh, yeah. Fox hanging out but this is before when he was still trying to figure out his whole stoic shit like yep. i like that they still continue the, on the path of making new stories but playing in a sandbox and expanding that sandbox without treading um like discovery is a great example discovery freaking redesigned the klingons that shit was fucking horrible yeah and everybody everyone hated it like they didn't need to do it i don't know yeah. why they did it it just it was literally on some someone's filling themselves and they're like yo but make a stamp on it because other than the the redesign of the Klingons in general of that first season for Discovery, I actually enjoyed the watching. First two it. seasons like, worked. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, they oh. work as a hero's journey, focusing yep. on exactly. a singular character yep. and Michael Burnham. That was working, but it wasn't working. I think, I think they eventually felt that they needed to get back to the Trek tradition of having. Yeah her on a ship with a crew yep. and all those things. They just didn't know how to, they just yeah. didn't seem to know that, how to figure out how to get there because yeah. like you said, the first two seasons, the biggest transgression was the Klingon design. Somebody thought in their mind, this is what I think the Klingons are. <laughs> they're, more bar- they're more reptilian. So early on in the show, in Enterprise is the earliest iteration of anything and they look exactly the way that they did in TNG. There was nothing to talk about. And they've had, obviously, those times. Remember the the whole joke about the way they looked in the original series. They've covered all all this in Star Trek lore. And how did they cover it, D'Angelo? What did they use? One line of dialogue. (laughs) Oh, okay. They used that one line of dialogue. And and Worf doesn't even go into detail. He's just like... What did he say? He's like, uh, it's it's uh, it's complicated. It's, it's, it's a sensitive topic. We, yeah, don't talk, sensitive we, don't, topic. we don't talk about it with outsiders. No. We don't talk. That's exactly what he's. Of course, Josh knows. We don't talk about it with outsiders. And so they could have done. They could. They didn't need to touch the Klingons, and yet they did. And so going back to Strange New Worlds, they I think were smart enough to see all the things that both Discovery and Picard have gotten wrong in this generation of, of Star Trek. And they haven't done in, in, I always forget that there's only 10 episodes in each, in these seasons. So like I'm watching and watching and I'm like, wow, these episodes are great. They feel, they feel good. And then before you know it, here's the finale. And I'm like, wow, they're really marching toward, they know where they're going and mm-hmm. they, they don't they are taking us there in the way that we appreciate from a star trek from star trek storytelling i think yeah. for me their biggest accomplishment is 
nailing Kirk. Like, that's a touchy, touchy subject amongst Star Trek nerds. Like, and, if you're and William pass, Shatner. Yeah. <laughs> and William Shatner. And William Shatner. Yeah, and William Shatner, yes, exactly. We love William Shatner, but he definitely is sensitive about Kirk. He will, yeah, he, he will open his mouth on it in a second if he doesn't like it. <laughs> He's like, I'm um, the only one, of, only one of all of you guys has gone to space, so shut up. This, you know, that's a fair statement. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, I mean, you don't get that right. And you, you've pretty much lost the fan base and I haven't heard anybody and it's neutral. So it's perfect because I haven't heard like, Oh man, he's is that. And he's reminiscing to Shatner and none of that, none of that. But I don't see any commentary about him at all, which no. is an accomplishment because that means he slots right in. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Is, uh, the actor is Paul Wesley. Is it mm-hmm. Paul Wesley? Yeah. And he's not trying to do anything he, that he's not trying to invoke Shatnerisms. Nope. He's he's just a pretty boy in the navy, you know, and and he has that swagger. I, I'm a, I am a naval what commander at this point, a lieutenant commander or commander. Yeah, he's um, a, he's a prodigy. Uh, no pun intended, because we've been we, ah. yeah, he's a he's, he is, but he is though. I mean, he mm-hmm. uh, promotions come easy to him. He he he's already making legendary marks as a early Starfleet officer. And yes, he was just promoted to commander. Um, right. And, and, and obviously you have him come through here and there, because again, we know that this ship is going to be his one day. Right. We know that, to him. Yeah, exactly. That one of that, a few, at least two of the main bridge crew will carry over and be iconic members of his, of his crew. Mm-hmm. So I like that they're not playing coy with their use of Kirk. They're like, listen, he exists right now. He's he's going to be doing things because of who he is, because he's a prodigy, because he's uh, also comes from a famous Starfleet uh, uh, family or whatever, right. right now on Starfleet yep. fleet family. He's going to be involved, but they don't ever, he's not outshining Anson Mount or the Mm-mm. character of Kirk is not outshining Pike at this point. And there is a start. I like that when they come together, they are quick to show the, the, the difference between yep. uh, James T. Kirk and, uh, and Christopher Pike. Right. And, and Christopher Pike is legitimately the Boy Scout captain of, right. of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. He harkens he harkens back to what the log line was for Picard, which is equal parts administrator, explorer, scientist. You know, he's all of he's very much all of those things. And I think they're doing a good job of because and because Kirk is the opposite. Kirk is basically Kirk was supposed to be a cowboy. Um, which I remember being like the uh, Roddenberry sort of description, his log line for the character was Captain Kirk is a cowboy. And they lean into that throughout all of Trek history. He's always referred to as, they always refer to that era as the cowboy era, referring to Kirk Kirk specifically because he was wild. He was wild. But he, you know, he had, a, he had a, a checklist of colors that he wanted to uh, have sex with. Like, yes, green, sir. Blue, pink, yellow. <laughs> and if there is anybody that 
gave his own interpretation of the prime director. It was it was James T. Kirk. Oh yeah. God, yes. So so that being said, you know the oh, and also shout out to Stranger Worlds for doing a musical episode that isn't annoying that and actually not, worth watching. Yeah. And I like now whether you like musicals or not, I'm not necessarily a fan, but. I would put this episode in the same level as a Buffy because Buffy set the standard for musical episodes and everyone else has been trying to catch up to it since. And that was almost 20 years ago now, roughly. Yeah. And this was, this was in the same, the only other one I can say that kind of gets in the same realm of it was probably from the magicians um, for anyone that's seen their musical episodes, but half that cast is Broadway people anyway. So of course it's going to be good. But yeah, yeah, the musical episode was not annoying. (laughs) I agree, and I don't like musicals, <laughs> nor do I, or storylines where characters break out into song and espouse <laughs> musical exposition. I hate it, but this was not bad, and, it didn't and the cast members can sing, and they can and sing. The they they are harmonic, and it was it was cool. It was, I think, it is just more showing that these writers get how to thread a Star Trek arc for 10 episodes. They don't have to do a serial drama, a serialized story where every episode picks up after the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, and because you saw that the, the main sort of thread or the main uh, greater scope narrative was the fact that the Gorn are now on the move and, and mm-hmm. the Federation is trying to ask, uh, figure out how to answer that without entering an open war yeah. and they established that set that up in the first episode and uh sprinkle a little bit in several episodes throughout but you don't get another main episode like that until the book to the very last finale mm-hmm. episode and it was a great finale episode because the way they built the gorn is is um i like the how they've sort of not shown them, especially mm-hmm. considering the, the 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 lore of go of the Gorn <laughs> <laughs> and the look of the Gorn and how yes. how how a big deal that was in a in a in a funny way. Um, that was a great costume in the original series episode. Thank you. <laughs> yeah it was it was brilliant. In For all those that don't stuff. know it's the old school uh, uh first appeared in 1967 Basically, looks like a bad Godzilla head on a man with green skin. Yes, and <laughs> William Shatner fights him as as Kirk. <laughs> as Kirk. Um, but again, we accept that, and we and we allow it. And but now the Gorn are having their uh, much needed. Um, uh, what would we call it? Uh, reprisal or, or reinvention. That's what yeah. I'm looking for. And, and um, it's working. Um, they are terrifying. They present a substantial threat to the pro- to our characters, the Enterprise and the Federation. Um, and you see that when they're involved, there are things at stake. Yeah, um, that, again, we go back to our stakes part, right? So, yeah, and we you know we constantly beat that drum where it's like if there's no stakes, there's no reason to have a show. Mm-hmm. And so in this one, there's actual stakes, right? Pike's sitting over like, all right, yo, I got to go get my people. And then Admiral's like, hey, you know what I'm saying? We can't really start an international war, right? Uh, an intergalactic war right now. So you need to chill. So now yeah. what, is, what does Pike do? Does Pike go Pike and be like, all right, that's what I'm going to do. Or does Pike go Kirk and be like, fuck these dudes. It's time to ride. <laughs> and in the middle of that is Pike's overwhelming altruism. Yeah. So to do right. the right thing because it is the right thing 
prime directive, war, war posture be damned. His people are there. They need, they're in trouble. These, these ruthless enemies are coming, are coming down on them. You know, what, uh, is he going to, and so they leave that as the cliffhanger. And I, and, and again, this, this is harkens back to Trek, the Trek that we know and love where, you know, we would get standalone episodes that focused on the crew and allowed the crew to be developed over time. So we, we give, we have reasons to care about Nurse Chapel and Mubanga and, and everybody and then, but, you say, but you say that as though there's a show on in the Star Trek canon that doesn't do that. <laughs> Discovery, Discovery. Anybody that listens to us know which which one that one is. And so <sighs> but, you know, again, they do it right. So we get to that last episode and we have something at stake then you have the mini stakes with with um captain patel patel and and uh and her alien situation yep. and, and, and and then i like it that you know her and pike got a little thing thing so it's kind of like oh man yeah a little love interest but now she got a a, a life-threatening situation right. that happened to her so you're like oh no so you're, now you're conflicted like oh they're gonna save her and then like all these other things so you're right i think you know they got to they got the they got the opportunity to see how not to do it with discovery yeah and they made sure because they even our first season like we said the first season was a warm hug to start all the star trek fans for enduring freaking discovery and that god awful big picard season two yeah so so now they're just like taking the ball and even running it and then also in her and what i like too is um going back to the the lower decks episode when um you know both um both of them are back in there and then they're meeting all these people that they know as of stories and i love that boiler is basically like oh snaps you're a war hero oh you're on my poster like and so again it makes you more like you're you're getting more um, pieces of these crew people that have like there's a reason why they they're here and they're all supposed to be here for a specific reason and each person plays a role and then exactly. and, it, and it's cool that they show when you have quote unquote future characters interacting with them because there is such an awe and all that. So you're yeah. just like, okay, these people actually are 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 supposed to be somebody's, you know. But they also do they also do a good job of using those things to to sort of foreshadow and seed future stories. Like we don't know what um oh god, the navigator, um oh, the pilot. Ortega. Yeah, Ortega. We don't know we Ortegas, we don't know what her role was in the war. Yeah. They just allude to it, and this was just another episode, sort of alluding to, oh, she's a war hero. Word, do <laughs> <Yeah>. pray tell. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 I think that's that's been the beauty of watching this these episodes is that, and even in that crossover episode, it was they used Boimler to uh, even say things that are just for the audience. Like when he says that comment about Worf or whatever. And, oh, yeah. And, um, and Ma'an has no idea what that was about. is like, huh? <laughs> and, and the actors probably have to do their best to not nerd out when because they're, they're obviously they're playing in a different time and space than and they're familiar with it, but it was, it was just a, it was just a fun, it was way funner. I, I mean, I don't, not a big fan of Jack um, Quaid, but he's great as, as Baltimore and he's, yes. he's and uh, uh, Tiny Newsome as, uh, um, 
Tommy Neeson. So good. yeah, she so she's good. great. She she had a comment about Jonathan Frakes. Uh, she said that he's just like the best. Like he's an actor's director, and and they just enjoy working with 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 him so much. <laughs> I like how Pike was was like the only one who was like absolutely fascinated by um Bomer's uh uh hero worship. Like Pike, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Pike was actually yeah, yeah, he's like wanting to engage. He's like, he's like, oh, so I'm, I'm like, I'm, whoa, what? I'm, 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 and it was probably, and it makes sense though, because of the MacGuffin hanging over his head. Yeah. Sure. Out of all of them, he's would be most curious about what the name Christopher Pike, what that, what his legacy is in spite mm-hmm. of, because he knows that he's not going to actually die. Like he's going to, be alive, yeah, but, but he's incapacitated, basically, right? But living, yeah, he's, he knows he's going to be with the Telosians in that, uh, in what, what I forget what the heck it's called, but basically like a giant wheelchair and counter suit, kind right? Of deal. Exactly, exactly. Um, for those of you who don't know what we're talking, what we're referring to in Star Trek lore, Josh, get him with it. <laughs> so, in the two-part episode Menagerie Parts One and Two, uh, in uh, in Star Trek original series. Uh, it's shown how Pike went from the able-bodied indiv- uh, captain that we know him to be into a man who has an accident um, and basically ends up in, uh, he's paralyzed, his body, he's horribly disfigured and ends up in not even a wheelchair. It's more a life support system box. Yeah, it's like a but sort of keeps box, but on wheels. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Um, and he's completely incapacitated, ends up with a, a race called the Telosians, who basically communicate via uh, telepathy. And so they can project images into your mind. And of course, one of the images that they project it, uh, to people is that Pike is still able bodied, functioning, and what have you. When in fact, he's the exact. Uh, there's a trial because uh, Spock. Having been his uh, his, his uh, Pike's former science officer before Kirk takes over uh, as captain of the Enterprise, um, in a nutshell, uh, Spock is is uh, charged. He basically is um, court-martialed, and um, but because he took he basically took command. If I remember correctly, he he, he violated somehow, and because uh, it's been a while since I watched the episode. But bottom line is, he ends up taking. Pike do that. He ends up, if I remember correctly, he hijacks the Enterprise and uses it to take Pike to that planet or to revisit that planet somehow. I um, think that's the that's that's yeah, what that's the, and yeah. even even beyond that, Josh, um, the whole Pike. So that's the setup of the show, and then um, the whole uh, Pike was originally supposed to be the captain on the original series, and they shot a pilot with. With um with an actor as Pike, um but then things happened and long story short, Kurt became the new guy and the captain and and uh, the rest as they say is history. Yeah, and I think also it's cool because they they bring that into Discovery about how he uh, actually like learns that, and it was cool with because I remember when they when just when Pike got into Discovery, I was kind of like, huh, I wonder how they're gonna play this. Mm-hmm completely made it dope also bringing in spock which was also good and then that that elevated the season of discovery and the rest of the, the crew actually 
And then when they finally, um, you know, kind of branched off, you get to the point where, you know, Pike actually gets to see his actual future. And he's like, shit, if I do this, this is my future. If I don't do this, it's not my future. Of course, he's altruistic, so he's going to do it. Yep. Um, but now he has that leaning over him for the rest of his life. And so I like that in the end of that season for Discovery, he kind of like has that in the back of his mind. And then when they when they open in uh, regular uh, Strange New Worlds, that's still there. Yeah. Still operates on some like, well, I know it. So let me just keep going and, and just enjoy why I got it, <laughs> basically. Yeah, and I think um one of the one of the the one of the the things that that did was it allowed the writers to have a an actual beginning, middle, and end framework. Yep. Because yep. you know, they know where they're going, they know which point where they have to land this thing on. And because of that, you had two already two seasons of really great storytelling, and the whole time, especially this season, we haven't mentioned that there, there hasn't been a lot of mention of, mm-hmm. of Pike's pending uh, pending doom mm-hmm. because you don't have to think about it because they're you know we're in the in the middle of it. So yeah, oh, let yeah. me correct a previous statement. Uh, my memory just jogged. So Spock kidnaps. Uh, the k- kidnaps Pike, wheelchair Pike, and hijacks the Enterprise to take him to the Tolosians because that's where he'll be able to live out his life with a semblance of some sort of dignity, and you know he can project his thoughts and you know sort of still appear to look uh, as be seen as walking around and able-bodied and all that other jazz. But we don't yeah. get to that because basically we don't get to that right away. Because, like I said, uh, Spock gets court-martialed for those activities. Yeah, and, and I think that that you know, lingering in his mind in season two is still there, but he still tries to live a quasi-normal life and do things. Yeah. And so I think mm-hmm. that um, you know, with you know the love interest stuff, with you know exploring, always like always having his people's back and that kind of stuff, and even you know, I laugh when um, again Lower Decks episode. When they're talking about the future stuff, and then uh, Ortegas is like, "Yeah, yeah, I went to the future too. Relax, it's cool." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I like, like, uh, hey, one of the major yeah. accomplishments of this episode is that the use of time travel did not annoy the hell out of D'Angelo. <laughs> yeah, they achieved this season. Achieved. This is why I know that <laughs> these writers, I can at least put some faith in them because they did two things that normally would just turned me into a Hulk monster. Well, one one was they did a time travel episode to cross over um, um, with Star Star Trek um, Lord Decks. And it was really fun, really well done, and I enjoyed it. And then there's the musical, which I call, I have a nickname for those type of shows. They're called Abominations. And <laughs> so okay. I got through this one and I will remove the abomination title, but only for this one. I put it on Buffy with an asterisk just because I, I just can't get behind the supernatural singing. But that was mm-hmm. a good episode. Don't get me wrong. It was mm-hmm. a greatly written episode, that Buffy episode. And this is this year in uh Strange New World, the same thing. But the time travel one. Is definitely one that um, didn't didn't bother me because it was moving one one 
the only thing was the butterfly effect grandpa father paradox right right but i like the idea of a portal of a wormhole moving from one space and time to another via some quick energy some energy that allows for the fast transfer to make you you what it takes to get d'angelo to watch a musical followed by a crossover episode that includes time travel Mm -hmm. um Three things that he is very opposed to on a regular basis. Oh, yeah. The conversation literally was, bro, they're dope. Bro, they're dope. Bro, they're dope. You need to watch. You need to watch. You should watch it. I think you should watch it. That was pretty much me for about a day. And my <laughs> response to him, nah, I don't know. Nah, I'll skip. Nah. It was literally me throwing back any reason to not watch those episodes just because of the the fact that they were using those devices, time travel and and musical. But again, as it's been said, as, as it's been mentioned, those were and they ended up being highlights of the season. Um, fun episodes, mm-hmm. strongly written, didn't take away from anything and kept the story going. And the musical episode was tied to science, which I always love. Yeah, and there and, and you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's it was it was fine. Yeah, I thought I was gonna be annoyed as hell at that. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have D'Angelo's proclivities against uh, time travel or crossover episodes. My <laughs> thing is just it needs to be done right. And I don't mind crossover episodes. It's just the the time travel thing that I don't. I don't. Okay, my bad. I don't dig job. But yeah, I I you know I I I'll I'll allow. Um, Star Trek time travel just because at this point it's been what like 40 years yeah it's kind of like the staple of Star Trek yeah uh, it's a little late now so storytelling yeah oh, even and, like and, before I was like ah whatever yeah, um, yeah. but yeah it was, time travel was done correctly um, the musical episode was everything that I'm, what I'm told because I don't really watch musicals but from what I've read and what I've been told you know uh the musical episode was equal parts heartfelt, humorous at times, uh, tugged on your heartstrings, like and, and tugged on your heartstrings with pre-existing things that are already subplots that are already ongoing yeah. on the show that yeah. you actually are made to care about already. And yeah. this sort of advances it in some cases. Yeah. It's all uh, character development, and that's yeah. that's what makes it justified and and what made it feel good what made it good because it was not just them trying to get from point a to point b for some highfalutin plot it was it was these characters who are in a specific moment in their arc having to work out certain issues i think one of the more tender moments was when um spot kept trying to get uh, trying to figure out what the deal is with Chapel, mm-hmm. and she's clearly trying to communicate with him that it's not really about him; it's it's about her. And <laughs> the, so the scene where they're all singing, and he's just like standing there trying to figure out, trying to listen to them, and then they finish. She finishes the song, and he's just kind of like, "Oh." And then just walks away. Well, then screw you. Yeah, it, it's 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 a funny moment because it's so Spock, and mm-hmm. it's like, why would a song move a Vulcan 
it, yeah. after all that, he just like, okay, and just walks, just walks Fine. out. Fine, bye. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, those so, moments made it. Made okay, it. so now that they wrapped up the season two, they're clearly the best Star Trek show on right now. Yes. We, yes. with the writer strike and the production and, for, and then the actor strike, um, the only other Hang thing we're going to get, yeah, the only thing we're going to be getting Star Trek related in the future on slate is essentially just the season three, which is, you know, that's already been mm-hmm. um, thing. Um, and then possibly a section 31 movie. Is that what they said now? That was the, the last rumor. They, that The last rumor was that they've uh, scrapped the idea of the television series because they want to maximize uh, now Oscar winner, Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> Yesterday's um, price is not today's price. <laughs> no, it's not. The idiots. They could have, and I, I say this time and again, they dilly dallied on something that everybody wants. They wanted everybody wants a section 31 show and they had her already. She's already yep. on, on, she's already, she's already in. She likes doing the character. Um, and the show idea is sound. Of course you can do a section 31 show, an early section 31 show with her. She yep. wants to do it. She's yep. interested. She says several times that they talked about doing it. And if they want to do it, I'm down. What? And they dilly-dallied, and then it fell out of the news. And then she wins an Oscar, and suddenly the same week that she wins an Oscar, Paramount announces that they're now doing a Section 31 movie. But also the pandemic played a big role in that as well, because everything (laughs) shut down. No, it did, because we worried that certain things like Strange New Worlds and a lot of shows were getting cut during that. Yeah, yeah. Because of that. So, you know... but they were they, but they waffled on it before that. You know what I mean? No, like it ain't falling out of news. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that there's another element to that, which is sure. Yes. Like, I will acknowledge that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so I think so with that, you know, where you guys wanted to go now, because we're done with Picard's done, quote unquote. Um No, it's done. What's it called? Discovery has last season. Um, and then, you know. This has a third one, which will happen whenever they start all this uh, writer strike. So, where do you guys want to? Because now that they've introduced uh, Scotty, got Spock in there, we got Kirk. Who else is left? Oh, no, we got Uhura. They got the, yeah, they got everybody already, right? We don't have McCoy. McCoy. Oh, McCoy's the last one left. Yeah, I can see him. See, because it seems like what they're doing is each season they're telling us where the main crew that will ultimately be Kirk's crew, where they are before, right? And there's two others that, uh, that aren't there, Sulu and Chekhov. Oh, that's right. That's right. But, but weren't, weren't both of them like young young dudes when they got on uh, Star Trek? Like that was like the first post or something? I y'all forget the Asian dude, bunch of racists. <laughs> but isn't that, but those two, that was like their first post when they got into the to Kirk's ship, right? I think Chekhov's first post was, and was uh, the Enterprise. I'm not sure about Sulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, um, I think... Um, I would like to see them attempt to do something with the legacy car, uh, group um, with uh, Seven as Captain and Jordy, you know, in terms of Star Trek shows. I mean, I think with Stranger mm-hmm. Worlds, they are going to cap that at five seasons. I mean, it's 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 even in the uh, in in um, Pike's uh, opening monologue. Our five year, five year, five year yeah, yeah. So I Every, think they're. Yeah, and then every every starship uh, that went out in the deep space did a five year mission. Yeah, yeah. 
Right. But I think they, they specifically put it in that because before in Picard's, it wasn't there. And then in Kirk's, it wasn't five year mission. Continuing mission. Kirk, was a, Kirk, Kirk was a, Kirk five was year a four year. Mission. Yeah. Five year mission. Oh, okay. Picard, Picard was our continuing mission. Continuing mission. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, no, they did away, so in TNG era, they did away with the five year, with the five year mission. Right. Because so, no, now the, the, I mean, the, the Alpha Quadrant and Federation is sprawling. So yeah, they've right. contacted most of the major players already. Not that there aren't new races to meet new. I mean, the whole show is about new life forms, but you know, um, yeah, by, by, by TNG era, they'd done away with the exploratory five year mission. Okay. Yeah. Well, I still think they should cap it at five, but they could probably get six or seven, which is they most can. of the, most of the Star Trek. Uh, and because they're only doing 10 episodes, they could probably get away with 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 the six or seven, but they could do seven. Uh, I mean, TV but I would play. rather hear that. I'd rather them cap it off at tell a, a solid, tight story because you know where you're going. Yeah. You don't need to stretch it out for no for no yep. for yep. no reason. Yep. So if they did, if I'm just saying, if they did do just five, I would really love that just because I think that that would make everything that they build up to that last season even stronger once they once they finish it um yeah, but even discovery will be five right when it ends yeah it'll be five, yeah, five? Oh, wow. five. i think they probably could have done more had they that structure they not botched season yeah they not botched it from season three on yeah I, I think they would have been able to do at least two more because every star trek show until enterprise did seven at least well seven seasons yeah like not seven, the, seven seasons the original seven, series might have equal to seven seasons if you with the put it in the context episodes. of what's that <laughs> with the 25,000 episodes they did in yeah right season. but they they only call it three seat like on yeah. uh paramount they break it up to three seasons but if you look at yeah. it each one has like 30 episodes <laughs> like yeah. 30 episodes yeah. so that was before they were doing like 24 see, breaking it up like episode season yeah. exactly so the the original series probably to- would total to about five to seven seasons if they broke four, it up. Four or five. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm down with that. I think if just I think if uh, Stranger Worlds caps at five and tells like a nice, complete, tight story, that'd be dope. And I think um, you know if we get a spinoff with the uh, Baby Picard and Seven and freaking them, that would be dope too. That'd be fun. Something just something I like like the world that they showed in Picard was the the part, the part that was actually the cool part. Um, and I I think that's like the, you know, all the quibbles and all the other stuff and the, how they did my man Rios and other stuff, whatever's, but (laughs) the the thing that they did do well was they really did expand the world of TV and they really showed where everyone was at and they gave them a proper send off. Like we got our old, uh, old TNG crew moment when they're all in the Mm -hmm. conference room talking, like, you know, so I thought they did a good job. And then they got the redemption from a man, Jordy, you know what I'm saying? My man, Jordy out here with the wife and two kids, like, (laughs) Yeah, he actually had sex with him. Exactly. You know, he was he was basically simp the whole TNG. So I think if if they if Strange New Worlds gets a, a solid five, that would be dope. If they that was actually LeVar Burton's prerequisite for coming back on the show. Oh, it makes like, sense. Yo, we gotta give him we he, he, he had to win. He had to win at some point. Yeah. Out here. But yeah, I think <laughs> I think where they're going now, like I said, now that like as of right now, officially all they have is uh, Strange New Worlds, I think they're in a good space and I hope. If nothing else, and during this we, this year, they're really thinking about what they want to do with the Star Trek franchise. Because you know, even when Picard was at Comic Con last time, or the 
Disney or Paramount Day or whatever that was when he was basically mm-hmm. saying, like, I mean, you know, we out here just chilling. So y'all want to do a movie and we ain't yeah. opposed. <laughs> yeah, all of them are pretty much um, retired. They're not retired, but they're just like only doing Star Trek, yeah. what they're called up. But they were again. Yeah, Frank's but, um, right. the rest of them, Frank's they're like, Spiner does a lot of stuff too, yeah. um, with voice work and all kind of like he. I was surprised to see uh, his voice in a few things uh, uh, recently. But um, the other thing that I look forward to in terms of if they do a legacy type show is the fact that it would be set in the present day world of Star Trek. many years after TNG. Exactly. And, right. and Deep Space Nine and Voyager, like yep. all, it's set after those shows, which were the sequels to yeah. the original TNG. show. Oh, well, yeah. Um, okay. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I'm including TNG, Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. Voyager, all as, as, as yep. the trilogy of shows that were sequels to the original show, because Enterprise was the first show that took it back. And yeah. then Discovery took it back and then leaped way up, well, damn, goddamn beyond. 900 anything. Yeah, and then Picard was the present day and Strange New Worlds took it back to that beloved pre-cowboy era. Yeah. That we, that we loving so much right now. What would we call Pites? The, no, the Boy Scout era. So oh, yeah, yeah the Boy, Boy Scout, Scout era. <laughs> Then the then the cowboy the, uh, era, the cowboy the cowboy era. era. And, then the, the, and then TNG is the administrator era. I was just gonna say the administrator era. <laughs> then you got the war the the war general era with uh with uh Cisco with Cisco mm-hmm. and then the explorer and then you got era the lost Jane. explorer era with uh with um uh, with Janeway. So yeah, we, I, like I think we just broke down real nicely each um, each arc. Sure, Discovery, mm-hmm. we'll just we'll just call that an anomaly, and then uh, <laughs> and Picard will be do the black woman like that. Thank you. Right, I can't do. Uh, it's the only reason I'm still watching like that, man. I, I love Sneakwood. Yeah, she's the only reason I'm still watching. Yeah, literally, it's the only reason I'm still watching. So right. we'll just call that the Burnham Book era. The Burnham era. Yes. The Burnham era. <laughs> we'll just simplify it like that. Call it the Burnham era. But signify yeah. it by the good thing that happened. Yeah. So I want to see uh, more an extension of where they left off with Picard, where the Federation is probably at the peak of its um, existence, you know, um, in terms of what they can do. Yep. Fat and opulent. Uh, yeah, exactly. It might be a decadent time in which a new kind of thing might have worked. I think they should stick with the exploring first mm-hmm. and just kind of discovering, no no pun intended, and doing all that stuff before they get into the big stakes. You know, maybe it's the Borg, maybe it's the Dominion or the bigger, big, bad stuff. I think we've had enough of that with Picard and Discovery where each season there's some kind of big, bad that yeah. they have to solve and yep. and the whole galaxy is going to be consumed. Yeah. And, I, and then, and that's, and then that's why, um, that's why strange new world works where it's like, there is a big bad looming, but it's not the, it's not that uh, sucking up all the oxygen. Right. It is, it is like you said, it was sprinkled through the whole season. You get a little bit in the beginning, sprinkle through the whole season, it hits you in the face in the finale. And then they got to re- resolve it when we come back. And so yeah. at least, mm-hmm. and so at least that you give characters have enough time to like have interpersonal relationships, got some growth going on, you know, 
tra- time travel episode or two. They can go sing. They can, <laughs> you know, they got time to do stuff. You fight yeah, the board every episode. You can't do that. I'm exactly. of a different mind. I'm a big fan of. Uh, I'm a big fan of the big stakes episode. The, the the big stakes, you know, bad guy. You know, the the galaxy ending. The the galaxy threatening threat, uh, or at least the Federation threatening threat. Um, because I think you they, they they do when it's done right, they do a good job of building to it. Like I didn't build to the Gorn all that heavily, um, which brings me to a point that I want to make. I am tired of watching the Enterprise run away from a fight. That is the <laughs> one complaint that I have about the about a strange new world. Seems like every time something pops off, Pike is very afraid of starting an interstellar incident, or you know, like he's just like, "Oh, we can't take him on, so we got to run." Like, that's the Enterprise, dog. You're supposed right. to be able to take on everybody. To be fair, though, and I agree, but to be fair, he is trying to be loyal to his friend and who is the admiral, which is April, who's who's right. gave him. The, he's spinning the company line when he does that. And I, what I like about that is that this season, more than the last season, you saw that cracking throughout the whole, mm. the whole season where he starts off spinning that line that April was spinning. But by the end, he's like, OK. Now we just acting like a little, you know, we get we being wimps right here. And we're going to let our right. people die or be enslaved because we don't want to start some kind of conflict with these mugs that's literally trying to provoke us. Like the going are literally standing up to the to the Federation and, and pushing them like like what? What, what you going to do, do about it? Yep. What you going to do that's about fair. it? That's a fair statement. OK, yeah. I, I will retract my previous statement in favor of what you just said. I agree, um, though. I want to see the Enterprise fight more. It's, I I agree with you. I just think that they they've let there's us, a reason for it. Yeah, yeah, they've given us a narrative reason for it. And right, it and that's what I mean when I say like yeah. I I retract my previous statement because that that's a good point. Gotcha. Um, in terms of what I want to see, I mean, aside from what I just said, like a little bit more, a little bit more of the Enterprise punching, they get pushed. Um maybe lean a little bit away from you know the impending doom of uh uh, uh, uh that 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 pike is facing and he kind of comes to terms of like all right man like i got x amount of time left i gotta live so he's just gonna go and do whatever and not really worry about person you know it's not gonna be front of mind that he's gonna end up in you know uh a wheelchair with blinking buttons on it um with blinking lights on it man, rather well, you don't think they've already kind of done that? Because this season they didn't really focus on Pike. Well, it, it didn't really think about that at all. Well, at the end of the season, it looked like him freezing up uh, on the bridge as the Gorn basically started tearing the Enterprise to shreds. Mm-hmm. Um, it, um, at least the way I interpreted him freezing up was that was him freezing up because he thinks that that uh, that, that future is about to come true. Oh, mm. see, I didn't even get that. I I thought it was all tied to to the the whole posture, the the whole th- fact that he was trying to that they're trying to avoid avoid Sorry, the conflict. Right. right. Exactly. The he has in his mind, he's weighing. Okay, do I say my people? Do I not say? It? Do I listen to April? Do I not listen to April? But. Mm. Your interpretation could be true too, and I think that's the brilliance of leaving us on that shot. Is sure. because we don't. We don't know, know what he's saying. What caused his hesitation in that moment? 
Right. Exactly. But it could be a combination of all those things. I didn't think about that until now, but that's a good point. Like he could have been very well thinking that this is it. And that froze him because mm-hmm. it would freeze a person. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you raise a fair point too. Uh, I'm thinking D'Angelo should just tell me what else I'm thinking because I. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, in terms, in terms of what I want to see, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think a five year, I think a five year bid would probably do the trick. I wouldn't be mad if they gave us seven, so long as there's more there. There, um, you know, I, I, I'm not in favor of doing seven seasons if it means that they're just stretching the hell out of plot. Um, yeah, I think there's enough story to tell that they can do seven seasons. They just yeah. have to, they just have to do that dance with a certain amount of skill, um, which they've which they've displayed that they're capable of thus far. And they're keeping it to ten episodes. So if they do 10, 10 right. 70 episodes, it gets a, a better reception than for me than seven seasons, one hundred and sixty, one hundred eighty oh, episodes. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. yeah, that's totally true. Better. Yeah, that's why that makes sense. Um. Yeah, man, that's dope. Well, mm, but yeah, a larger Star Trek. I mean, obviously, I will take whatever Section Thirty One thing they give us at this point. We've been we, waiting this long. Yeah, um, I, I would say. Yeah. I would say for me, it's the Section Thirty One. Let's get a seven as a captain show. That would yes. be fun oh, yes. because Star you know, Trek one. Legacy. Let's add another. We could add another woman as a captain. Boom, makes it cool. Uh, two, baby Picard. By the end, actually, I wasn't too annoyed with him. Uh, yeah, he's mm-hmm. a, he was okay, and the the actor, did, and the actor did cool, and then Jardy Jardy siblings were cool. So it's like, uh, I think they have enough there that if they wanted to expand it, which I know they will, because you know capitalism. So yeah. let's, let's figure it out, and you know if they can. If, it's, I mean, it's one of those things where I hope folks are thinking about it. I mean, they probably are. They have a whole year because you know this this writer strike is not going anywhere until October January, but. Like I really hope they think about what what they, what they want to do going forward, and um, so from what I've read, as far as Star Trek Legacy is concerned, the the, the seven of nine captaining the Enterprise thing, Kurtzman is on record saying he's heard what the fans have said, and basically he's without saying it, he's basically pitching it to Paramount, and Paramount is already dedicated to the idea of year round Trek. Yeah. Like every time a show drops, another one another, uh, drops off the grid. Another one pops right up to place. But they're That's trying it. to get a, get that um, that Disney Plus Star Wars energy going. Where, yeah. where well, Star not, not Wars? Is. There, the, he was. The, I forget who it was they interviewed, but the guy was pretty candid. He was like, "We know that people are dropping their subscriptions once their thing is gone. Whatever that show is, whether it's Yellowstone or whatever other crap is on there." Yeah. Or Star Trek, you know, once they don't have their show, once they, once they've blown through their show, they drop the subscription. I, their plan basically is to have year round, like like this is what like four Yellowstone uh, spinoffs that they have at this point. Um, they want to do something similar with Star Trek, where whatever your show is, we're going to give it to you year round, so you will not be canceling. There won't be like a quarter or three months, you know, two or three months where you're not uh you're not you're not using our subscription service because as soon as one of the shows that you're watching is done there's a related show right behind it so yeah. you you know if it's a couple of weeks you're not going to drop paramount plus for like 2 weeks so no. you can get some style like you're just going to keep it going yeah 
You know, they that's a good idea. And with Star Trek, they can do it. Yep. Because of all the content it's got. So I was going to say, there's a cautionary tale for them uh, with AMC and The Walking Dead. But then again, right. The Walking Dead IP doesn't stretch as far as Star Trek or Star Wars. So, Well, that and they bastardize the hell out of all versions of The Walking Dead as they exist right now. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it seems there's at least a partial dedication to a certain kind of quality where... Uh, where Star Trek shows are concerned. No, yeah. I agree. I agree. Because yeah. you can say what you want about both Picard and Discovery in terms of the quality of storytelling, but those shows have the full shebang in terms of the budget, the oh, dedication yeah. to details and things like that. Um, they don't They don't just phone in the visuals, the, the no. aspects that cost the most. So, so um, yeah, and again, they, they just a Star Trek IP will stretch way further than any, a Walking Dead oh, IP really? any day. So I, I thought about it as a cautionary tale. I was like, no, Paramount won't have that that issue. The strange thing is that they did cancel Prodigy because um, I feel like maybe they could have just moved it to only on the streaming. But then again, that's still money that they're having to pay to produce it, and they probably cut it for budgetary reasons. Well, yeah, one of the totally. PPs is, is on record saying he does not care how it happens, but he swears that Prodigy will be back on 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 something on Paramount at some point. Well, from his it. lips to the per, to the to the corporate guy's ears. <laughs> we'll we'll like, see. Like we started like we started out saying at the top of the show, you know, uh, Prodigy's not a bad show. Both me and DeAngelo, uh, both me and Cameron watched it. And I got to tell you, it gets there. It takes yeah. its time getting there. The beginning, the first quarter of it is kind of eh. But if you stick with it, there are absolutely rewards that and it feels, and yeah, it feels that- like those uh, first two seasons of like uh, Clone Wars, where it's like, at first you're like, eh, I don't know if this is going to work. And then you're like, oh, wait, this works. This is dope. Well, mm-hmm. I think I think it's it's the same thing with the Young Justice effect over with Warner Brothers with with the WBD, which is certain Disney is different. Disney knows the value of animate of animation. And and regardless irregardless of the fact that it is an animated show, that it could be crossed it can cross between being from a child to a teen to an adult. It has a crossover audience and they double down and they invest in it. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like with Paramount and with WBD, they're like, okay, these IPs aren't as strong as the live action stuff. So if there's something that has to be cut, we're going to cut the anime. It doesn't matter that it's getting all these yes. rave reviews and is the audience selling, continues is to grow. Toys? Is it selling its, its other supporting merch and all that stuff? Right. No. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Once that happens, then it's no longer valuable. But I, like I said, you can see with that's the one thing I'll give Disney credit for in this new in the star wars era and in the disney disney plus era which is they don't shun or trivialize animated animation yeah and animation animated storytelling in fact they elevate it even more um with with their efforts like with what ifs and this this the visions visions and stuff like that like they're they do they allow animators to 
in my opinion, feel on level with the live action storytellers, which they should be again, because if you have something like a Young Justice or a Prodigy that's actually telling good stories, and the only thing that you're looking at is, oh, it's 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 animated characters, like, but no, but you know, voice actors still are putting their all into it, and the writing is still there. So, mm-hmm. but I think that's what it is. I think despite all of those good things they just don't see the value. And that's why I said, I hope that guy is right. The AP of Prodigy is from his lips to the corporate people at Paramount's ears because it should be a simple thing. You, That's another, right. that's more IP. That's more content. Yep. It's probably cheaper content that you could produce and that you can have and it has an audience. Why cut it? Well, oh, because you don't see the value in it. Yeah, exactly. And so I think, mm-hmm. for, yeah. I would to put to put a wrap on most of it, I was gonna say like, I think that's a thing where I think if Star Trek is starting, if they take a, at least a cue from what Disney's been doing, then I think they'll uh, they'll have a better understanding because they have the mm-hmm. same type of level of IP that they could and sandbox to play with that they can definitely do that and keep that sustainability because if they really are gonna have you know a Star Trek something almost every other quarter or something to that effect, they have the IP around to do it. Uh, Josh, I'm going to give you the final word as our Star Trek expert. Um, I was just going to say the way that um, the way that that season of uh, Prodigy ended, they have to, they, they, you can't leave that dangling there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, mean, I love those dangles. <laughs> the way that it ended was just like it was just like, oh, you know, so we're, you know, we're, we're going to be Starfleet officers and blah, 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 blah. Alright, cool, whatever. And then they cut to Janeway on the bridge of what I'm assuming was Voyager and apparently the ship those kids were on that they stole from someone else was Chakotay's ship. Mm. Oh, wow. and, and basically, and so it comes to Janeway on some don't worry Chakotay, we're coming to get you and her ship goes to war. I'm like, oh, see now. Now I'm in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was a cool ending. You know, the kids are now dedicated to Starfleet, whatever, whatever. You know, the ideals of Starfleet and, you know, uh, you know, to seek out new life and new civilizations. Man, that's cool. And that, honestly, that, and that would be good because, say, if the second season, they do get caught and they throw them into the Academy. And now we have a whole season of them being in the Academy. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that expands on it even more. They were, remember, they were floating around that idea of doing a Star Trek uh, Academy um Oh, they've like been CW CW teen show basically. has been an idea since since Shatner was still doing movies. There's a video game for it, I know. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Like, yeah, there is. But um, all right, well, everybody, once again, thanks for listening to us uh, rant about Trekkie stuff. <laughs> uh, Strange New Worlds was really dope, and all the adjacent IPs around it. And uh, yeah, man, it's gonna be fun. I'll probably go rewatch the Lower Decks episode episode for like the fifth time. <laughs> it's good. It's, it's it good, good. It is a good episode. And and maybe, it actually maybe we go back and rewatch Lower Decks like, again, where I, I've watched it multiple times. And it's uh, it just on the background and just hella fun. <laughs> then the Q reference was hilarious too. Oh, man. In uh, in that episode, what, what does uh, what did she say? No, they're not. They they haven't. They're doing the what is it? They're doing the Trelane thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, so good. Yeah, so, so good. Yo, and why do they talk so fast? And their, their references are so specific. <laughs> <laughs> so good, so good. But so yes, good. everybody, thank you. Oh, also, before we go, 
Um, if you are listening to us on Spotify or uh, Stitcher or Apple, drop us a review, you know, one to five, like us, hate us, whatever, but give us a review, help us the pod out. We're trying to organize our ish a little bit more. We got some stuff coming to talk to you guys about later, but uh, yeah, we'll uh, see you guys soon. Peace. And rest in peace, Clarence Williams III. Salute that man. Legend. <laughs> <laughs>